Jackie, I can't believe Freddie pooped on the first time I'm sharing my story publicly. <laughs> yeah, like, thanks, Freddie. Like, menopause isn't shitty enough. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, and welcome to this week's edition of the She 2.0 podcast. And our very special guests this week are Ramona and myself. <laughs> Hi, Ramona. Hi, Jackie. <laughs> so, uh, Ramona, we're going to give this a second try. Um, I think for most of our listeners um, who are probably in the same boat as us and everyone around the globe, the work from home. Um, issue that we're all facing and you and I were all ready to do our podcast the other night and I think we got about what 17 minutes in and about 27 <laughs> interruptions from our families including like some pretty interesting stuff we didn't want to include in our podcast <laughs> yeah so yeah as we're all trying to work from home and um as many of you know, I'm not, or many of you might not know, I don't really like the sound of my own voice. So recording a podcast has been scary for me because I've been a producer my whole life behind the scenes, hiring all the right people to sound amazing on stuff. And I'm not used to being the main attraction. So Jackie has been a wonderful support because for those of you obviously have listened to Jackie on wine, women and weed and other things. She's, she's just a old hat at it and so natural. So I hate doing this. I'm learning so much from Jackie, um, but I'm always nervous. And so the night that we are decided we wanted to record a podcast with our own stories, I was already nervous about that and had the whole family like upstairs um, away and told them, don't come in the basement. I'm recording a podcast. Don't interrupt me. And sure enough, as Jackie is talking about her very own personal important story, my son comes down to use the washroom, which is right behind where I was recording and then continues to yell upstairs to daddy to come wipe his bum. Cause he just had a poo. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. I honestly felt like we should have kept that in, given him a, a guest appearance on our podcast. But then I felt like there were so many other interruptions and you and I were just like, you know what, let's call this a wrap and come back to it a few days from now, both when we're both calm and don't want to like kill our families right now. And also we're just going to try that again. So this is us trying that again. Yeah, she, she 2.0 take two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's funny because I feel like the podcast interruptions kind of go hand in hand with, with the whole launch of She 2.0, which has been a good news story for us, but it's been interesting and, and not without many challenges. Like when Ramona and I uh, decided to launch She 2.0, uh, we launched with a live event in February, um, just two weeks, three weeks before the pandemic and uh, or for the lockdown. And um, we had our guests coming from all over, three really great speakers. We had Kim Lamb from Apollo Cannabis. We, we had the event at Move Fitness with Kelly Tapos. And then we had Susan Schroeder, who's a nutritionist, come in from Oakville. And of course, that night, we had a snowstorm. Of course we had a snowstorm 
And but we we sold out, and we had people buying tickets at the door, and all of our guests were able to make it, and it worked. <laughs> and we had it did work. We were sold from. out. Yes, I know, I know, and and you know, and then a couple of weeks later, the pandemic hit, and that didn't keep us down because we just said, okay, well, then we just will take our guests, our expert speakers, and bring them online via a podcast, and. I think that that really helped us out because now we can reach more people more often with our, our really great content, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it, yeah, it was a bit of a pivot for us, but I think um, what's nice about it is we've been able to continue meeting with our health experts and all the other guests that we have planned moving forward. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think, you know, what we, we discovered first and foremost was that as soon as we had that first event and started talking about this, we could see the interest building and building and building right away. And it really told us, I think, that there's a lot of women who are going through perimenopause and, and beyond who have a lot of questions just like we do and a lot of concerns. And, and so She 2.0 for us is the roadmap to perimenopause so that we can help you make this a more optimal and healthy experience. Because you and I both know, Ramona, from our own groundwork, that menopause doesn't have to suck. So we're here to share that with all of you listeners through our expert speakers, through upcoming content. I mean, we're starting off with our podcast, but we have lots of great things planned for Shoot 2.0 and for growing this awesome community of women. Who, so by the way, we, we wanna like also thank everyone who are joining our Facebook group and weighing in. Um, we're really hoping to grow this community and by having these great conversations, we also wanna reduce the stigma around this topic, so. But it Absolutely. Didn't, yeah. and and. So Ramona, remember the first time you and I met was probably around Christmas. You had just come back into town. We decided to go for a drink and just catch up and see what each other were up to because we'd worked together so long ago at, at an ad agency. We really haven't caught up that much. And I think within 20 minutes, our whole conversation turned into um, menopause because we both had our own experience. And and from there, we could also see each other's frustrations and, uh, and our common gaps in knowledge and, and all of the problems that was causing us, both from a health perspective and just from a state of mind. So um, I went into early menopause. Um, my mom did too, and so did my grandma. But at the time, I was told they were not related. My grandma had eight kids, and when you have more kids, you can go into early menopause. And my mom is a type two diabetic, so they felt that it wasn't related to what was happening with me. But like a lot of women in this day and age, I was older when I had my daughter and we had about four miscarriages. And you know, the advice from the medical community has been, well, for me personally, you know, I hate to use the crass term, but if you can breed, you can bleed. And that was very misguided advice. And I think a lot of women think if they are getting their period regularly that they won't have any problem with um, fertility or conception. But as we, you know, hit 35 and onwards, things start to change. And I think that that was one of the biggest gaps you and I talked about was one in 100 women will start going through the change around 36 years old. That can throw off your ability to have children. And, and that was one of the biggest problems we had in having me stay pregnant. 
Um, and then shortly after I had my daughter, I was in perimenopause for sure, um, looking back. And then into menopause, I was postmenopausal by the time I was um, 49. So then I was able to look back on the past 10 years and realize that everything that was happening to me had to have been perimenopause, but no one could answer that for me. So what kind of things were happening to you, Jack? Like what were some of the symptoms that like, if you look back on it now, um, that you were going through that definitely were perimenopause? Yeah. Well, the first thing was, I remember being at a party and, um, talking to some women about an irregular period or something. And scared the hell out of me. I thought, oh my God, I haven't had my period in three months. I, how did I lose track of that? I must be knocked up. So I did about three EPTs and I wasn't pregnant. I wasn't pregnant. I wasn't pregnant. And if you ask my husband, if I actually had been pregnant back then, I would have been on the cover of Newsweek because you have to have sex. So that was, um, <laughs> that was symptom so number two. So you probably two. had a low libido as well then, right? Yeah, low to no libido, which, you know, you can easily, when you have a young child, factor that as being exhausted and just worn down. But it really did seem lower than normal. Um, my sleep wasn't great. My daughter wasn't a great sleeper. So it could easily be confused with so many things that were already happening in my life. And, um, but now with a clear head, I look back, I realized I had increased anxiety. I was prone to depression. I wasn't sleeping even when I could get sleep. I couldn't sleep through the night. I'd wake up at that witching hour around 3 a.m., mm -hmm. um, which you and I have recently learned about from Susan Schroeder. Um, I was having a problem focusing. I can still can never find my glasses. Um, and it was the hot flashes too, which, you know, when you're pregnant, you get hot flashes, but they just kept going and getting worse. And then I would get night surges, which is like adrenaline going through your legs, just when you're almost asleep or when you are asleep and just totally wakes you up. So, um, so none of those things, I wasn't able to test any of them. And, you know, unfortunately my doctor, like many, they're not menopause experts. They, they are sort of the gatekeeper to the alternate resources we need. And, and, I think, unfortunately, the advice I got was, it is what it is. It's menopause. Ask your friends what remedies they're taking, what supplements they're taking. But again, mm -hmm. as you and I learned, you can't just take a whole bunch of supplements because your friends are. I mean, there's so many things you need to know. Well, and I think a lot of women, like just what you were talking about, all the different symptoms that you were experiencing and just chalked it up to all the other things that were going on in your life. I've had several friends now, like once once you hit your 40s, it's very common for you to start experiencing perimenopause. And my friends have had like skipped periods and automatically go to, oh my God, I'm pregnant. Oh my God. And, and they're not. It just happens to be a month where their period doesn't come, but then it'll come the following month. And that's sort of one of those telltale signs of of menopause but a lot of people don't know about the other side effects that you know the for me it was like memory loss and um like when you were talking about finding your glasses like yeah same thing like can't find my keys i lose my keys and my phone about 25 times a day <laughs> um you know and and yeah the lack of sleeping and anxiety and that sort of thing and those are just things that can easily get tossed aside as like just normal day-to-day -day stuff right yeah. but it is usually 
at this time in our life, the starting points of perimenopause. Yeah. Yeah. And that's confusing because I think women, again, to the stigma, because we don't talk about it, we don't know who to ask or what to ask. And um, I think I told you the story, Ramona, I went to pick my daughter up from a play date and all these younger moms were having champagne and <laughs> having a great old time. So of course I got suckered in there. And it was winter and I took my coat off and I had on a tank top and they were all pretty shocked to see me in a tank top in December or January. And I explained that it is always Florida in here. I am always, always, <laughs> always hot. And that led to, you know, a few like questions here and there, you know, I think I'm having hot flash. What does it feel like? And I could see that some of these women really wanted to learn a little bit more about it. They were starting to wonder whether they were getting some symptoms and what were the symptoms. And um, I've noticed that since then, and since you and I have been speaking so openly about it, a lot more people that I know are coming forward and talking more openly about it, which I think is so refreshing because it's going to make this a way better experience for all of us. But um, yeah, my well, experience that- is like, Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I think that that's exactly it. I think there's a misconception around when women experience menopause in terms of age. So a lot of the messaging out there, which you and I have talked about, and, and we both were aligned on what we didn't want She 2.0 to be, are these images of these geriatric women in the prime of their life, like skiing and whatever, and they're all gray haired and like... There's people that are young going through menopause, and it's not to say that that women in the later years of life are less important, but it just is sort of breeds that misconception of, you know, you're old and, you know, retired when you experience menopause, but most of us are in the best years of our lives and, and still working and raising children and doing all those things. And none of us, a lot of us haven't had conversations with our own families, our own mothers about menopause, whether we're not able to, or it wasn't something that our mothers um, even were educated around and didn't even know what was happening to their own bodies. Um, and some just aren't comfortable. Like back in the day, you didn't talk about those things. Whereas now there's a little bit more dialogue about it, right? Yeah. And it, there needs to be more dialogue. And it really is frustrating that women feel that we can't talk about this. And I do believe you're absolutely right. I think that's because society and the media have closely linked menopause with aging, with being irrelevant, with being over the hill and out of the game. And I think that is such an old image. It's an old narrative that you and I really hope to break. I mean, if you think about, um, let's go back a few decades when the Golden Girls, that was the big hit. Remember those ladies? Mm -hmm. Well, they were actually closer to our age group Mm -hmm. than than most people would think because they did present sort of very, um, I don't know if the word's not matronly, but more grandma-like and the tight pin curls. But, you know, I think if you do some reading on that, that some of the women in that cast were actually in their early 50s, early to mid 50s. If you look at women that we see represented in the media now who are in their early 50s, that's like J-Lo, Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie. There's some pretty strong women out there who are 
represented to me in a way more realistic uh, image. Like they're strong, they're still going, lots of drive. There's they're passionate. They're not sitting in a nursing home. (laughs) You know, so we got to change that. We absolutely do. And by doing that, I mean I think we're also helping other women find ways to live their best lives, which sounds a little cliche, but what I mean by that is, you know, there are health risks associated with certain um, symptoms of menopause, and it's important to take care of yourself during these years where you're working, potentially some of you are raising a family, you have partners, you have maybe parents you're taking care of, all of the, there's a lot of stressors and then coupled with these hormonal changes that you're going through menopause, it's really important to take care of yourself. And, and this is why we kind of wanted to start this community and educate ourselves around what happens to your body and what can we do to mitigate some of those symptoms and risks. Because there are women even younger than us who experience menopause because they've um, been through certain gynecological issues or they've had to remove their ovaries like me. So I had to remove my ovaries at the age of 39 because I'm a breast cancer survivor and I carry the genetic mutation. And I made the choice after going through breast cancer twice that my ovaries were ticking time bombs and it was a bigger risk for me to keep them than to get rid of them because I have about a 40 to 60% chance of getting ovarian cancer if I didn't remove them. So after I had my son, my second child, I, I removed my ovaries prophylactically. And so by the age of like between 39 and 40, I was like immediately put into menopause and I didn't really get any sort of education, advice, anything around what's about to happen to me going through menopause. I didn't even think about the questions to ask truthfully. I was just reacting to my own, I guess I'll call it a health crisis um, and fear. And I just, I got it done, but I didn't know what was about to happen to me after that. And at the beginning, everything seemed pretty normal. And then probably around the six month mark is really when I started experiencing some of the symptoms around menopause. So I lost my period immediately after surgery, but I, I felt suddenly like I was literally losing my brain cells. Like, and I had a fear of that. My mom has dementia. So right away I'm like, Oh my God, I'm getting dementia. But meanwhile, it's these, hormonal changes that it were affecting my cognition and my memory. Um, I wasn't sleeping well. I, I had a bit of the hot flashes, but that wasn't really a, a major symptom for me. And then um, it was really actually the one of the things that started, got me to start like reaching out to, to my doctor was extreme pain during sex. So what happens is you, because of your hormonal changes, there isn't enough lubrication in your body. And when I would 
be trying to be intimate with my partner, it was extremely painful. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And that's when I started going to a menopause pause clinic to talk to them about what my options were, which were basically nothing. It was, oh, use some lube, get, get some lube that you can insert, you know, every other day, um, basically for the rest of your life, if you want to have comfortable sex. <sighs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and I was frustrated because I was like, this is really my only option. Like I felt angry because when a man couldn't get an erection how many years ago, suddenly there was a pill out there um, oh, yeah. that could help him. But meanwhile, for me, there was nothing to help me. Um, and I feel like there's this misconception that women don't want to have sex or whatever, that, we're, that our sex life isn't as important as, say, a man's sex life. Yeah. Um, and I was just shocked about all the other things, the memory loss and that sort of thing that no one told me about. Yeah. And, you know, I've read a few things that are quite disturbing, but, um, <laughs> well, you and I have read a lot, and there are some disturbing realizations out there. But one of them came from um, a source from the U.S. that talked about the fact that they did do a study on women's sex drive. And they were in the middle of developing something that would have helped our libido during this period. And then they took the study off the table and said it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. Really? Yeah. Why? Why isn't it necessary? Because, because we're menopausal, so we don't need to be worrying about that silly thing called sex anymore? What, what is that? Like, do they know how many marriages can go into crisis when you take sex off the table and you remove that intimacy? Like, there's such a need to keep our bodies going as optimally as possible, not just for our sanity, but for our relationships, just for our own comfort and well-being. Absolutely. And what sort of was the driving force to me when you and I met for that drink one night and we started kibitzing about everything that was wrong with the system, particularly around women's health issues, and why did our peers feel uncomfortable talking about this, even though none of them know what's going on with their own bodies right now yep. was I had gone to see a pelvic physiotherapist that was recommended to me to help with um, the pain I was experiencing during sex. And so we talked and we were, and she was helping put me on some sort of program, but I asked her like how many women outside of me, I know my, my situation is unique in that um, I removed my ovaries early and I'm in early menopause, but how many women experience painful sex that maybe even aren't in menopause, but have had other gynecological issues that they're suffering through. And she said, Oh, Ramona, there are so many women that I treat here that are in tears because there's nothing that can help them. And I'm trying to help them. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and it just made me so angry. And I feel like unless we as women continue the conversation, will perhaps someone start listening and help us with all yeah. these different things that are happening to our bodies, right? Well, I've got the, um, the menopause treatment and perimenopause treatment Google alerts set up on my computer. And it's funny because 
I do see like studies coming out showing that they are putting more time, more energy, more research and money into studying what's happening with our bodies. So like, let's keep our eye on that and we'll definitely keep everyone informed with what we find out. But that's encouraging. I think women's health is going to be a really, really hot topic uh, moving forward, not just because of menopause, but because, you know, even with the pandemic, when we talk about mental health, mental health is going to be a big issue. And the pandemic, you know, COVID could be going on another year or two. But if you layer on menopause symptoms and perimenopause symptoms to what we're already experiencing with COVID and lockdown and, you know, the isolation, I think we're going to see a bigger mental health crisis for women if we don't get on top or ahead of this. Absolutely. And so that's really, (laughs) I guess that's our story. Um, And I think I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I know for me, I think when you and I spoke, what was just really, really important to us is to build community around this and for us to help. So what you'll hear from us moving forward, we'll have all different kinds of experts from all different walks of life. And some may be from like the holistic side of treatment. Some will be from Western medicine, um, all sorts of things, whether it's fitness, whether it's hormonal, whether it's pelvic therapy. Um, we just want to bring as much information to our listeners as possible so that they can find something that might work for them or help them or will open the dialogue between their partners, between their healthcare providers, so that we can just live a better life. Yeah, and I think that's a really important thing. Like you and I talked um, about building this brand and we both agreed that we only want to work with people and brands alike who are for the for the greater cause, right? I mean, we don't want to work with anyone who's just trying to hit women up with key messages. We want them to walk the walk and hit them up with key ingredients if that's what they're planning to do. But I think that what you can count on from She 2.0 is that the experts and advice and products and services that we're going to bring to the table, we believe to be credible, not maybe something you would do or I would do, but that we believe that they're a credible source or a product or a brand. We're not going to bring anything gimmicky. We want to make sure that anything that we put forward as a potential solution is something that can be trusted. But like you and I aren't going to hang our hats on maybe holistic versus uh, naturopath versus anything else because menopause and perimenopause is so unique to everybody that there's not a one size solution fits all. So I think like you said, our goal yeah. is to, to take all the learning that you and I have done on our own journey and say, hey guys, like it doesn't have to suck. You can do this for your pelvic floor. There's something you can do about that rage that memory loss, that, that uh, anxiety, that depression, and that sleep. We're learning more and more and more about all the opportunities. Absolutely. And I think it's important your, uh, how you said with, um, you know, everyone's experience is unique and that's true. There are things that might work for you, Jackie, that I can't do because with my health history, there's certain things that I need to avoid when certain medications I can't take anything with hormones like that sort of thing but hormones say if we're talking hormone replacement therapy just as an example can be really helpful for some women and so it may not work for me 
but it might work for you and that's okay. So as long as we, you're making sure that you're consulting your doctor um, in whatever choice you make, um, we're just going to bring options to the table. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, we want to encourage women to do is, you know, our podcast for, for She 2.0, we're going to be bringing experts on all the time because we've got so many wonderful people who are aligning with us and really want to get this message out there to our audience. But we're also bringing women on who want to share their stories. And I'm excited to start bringing, you know, these guests on as well, because, you know, some of the, the women you and I have both spoken to have such great stories. And, you know, we're all saddled with the same thing. We don't share our stories because we feel shamed or embarrassed. And, you know, Ramona, like, I think I speak on behalf of you and I, but I think I can speak on behalf of a wider circle of women. We work in a very ageist world. And that's another problem with you know, saying that you're going through perimenopause and menopause. Most women feel like it instantly um, tags them as older and irrelevant and redundant. And that is so not true. I mean, as you said before, we are seeing women go through Perry as early as their thirties, early thirties. And, you know, there are unique cases where women in their twenties have gone through it. And the reality is it could be triggered by age. It could be triggered by, you know, like you had said with, with cancer and chemo, it can be triggered by a few different things. But the reality is knowing how to listen to your body, to keep it tuned. You know, you and I like to say we want to keep your mind sharp, your body strong, and your sex hot. Well, you're only going to do that with knowledge, right? And that's what Absolutely. these people are going to do, share that knowledge with you. Yeah. So you'll hear from us weekly. Our podcast is weekly, and you can visit our website at www.she. 2-o.ca and listen if there's something you want to hear about or a problem that you have and you want us to seek it out drop us a line at info at she2-o.ca yeah we'll clear, it will include the links in our post too you can sign up for our weekly newsletter where we tell you who our podcast guests are going to be and what you can look forward to plus our monthly newsletter with way more fun info uh, things we've learned along the way. And yeah, like Ramona said, we really want to hear from you because, you know, we know what our um, experience has been. But in order to bring on more experts and answer more questions, we need to know what those questions are. So it'd be great to hear from you. So yeah, make sure to tune in weekly. And thanks for listening, guys. Bye.